I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast. I'm Aaron Bergstrom, and I'm here with my brothers. Anders. And Anton. My last name is the same as my brother's. And this month, we're talking about The Exorcist Believer, David Gordon Green's new sequel to the 1973 original, before discussing the iconic horror series more broadly. And here we go. What is scarier? The devil of past traumas, or the literal devil of Judeo-Christian religious belief? David Gordon Green's The Exorcist Believer, his legacy sequel to the original William Friedkin film from 1973, seems to split the difference between the two. In Green's film, the terrors of demonic possession are explored alongside the traumas of familial loss, parental detachment, and the ordinary unknowns of existing in the modern world. The film's careful to document the ways that losing a loved one and feeling disconnected from a child can wound as deeply as the provocations of a literal demon. It's not entirely a new approach for a horror film or even an exorcist film. William Friedkin's original film, adapted by William Peter Blatty from his own novel, examines the parallel pains of psychological distress and demonic possession. The first half explores the medical examinations of Reagan McNeil, played by Linda Blair, who's experiencing troubling psychological and physical distress. Friedkin goes to painstaking lengths to show the invasive and impersonal procedural approach of the medical establishment, and the somewhat beleaguered reaction of Reagan's mother, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Burstyn. The second half of the film trades the physical and the psychological for the spiritual, showing the procedural actions of the two priests tasked with exercising a demon from young Reagan, while the film ultimately affirms the metaphysical existence of evil. It doesn't discount the psychological and physical dimensions that can torment a person under duress. Green's film attempts a similar structural approach. The first half of the film follows Leslie Odom Jr.'s photographer, Victor Fielding, and documents his increasingly distant relationship with his daughter, Angela, played by Lydia Jewett. In an extended opening prologue, we see Victor lose his wife in the devastating Haitian earthquake of 2010. Jumping forward 13 years, Victor is now a single father raising a teen girl who's making more and more decisions on their own. The specter of adulthood haunts Victor and his relationship with Angela, even before her and her friend, Catherine, played by Olivia O'Neill, become the targets of a demon. In the second half, the demonic possession takes full focus, but even then, the demon targets Victor's insecurities over his family situation and the pain of losing his wife in 2010. There are trembling beds, demonic voices speaking from the mouths of adolescent girls, and plenty of crosses and incantations. Like the original, Believer confirms the reality of the spiritual world. But unlike the original, it treats it as an outgrowth of terrestrial trauma and pain. In fact, the entire possession seems to be triggered by Angela's attempts to deal with the pain of never knowing her mother, as she tries to contact her mother during a seance in the woods. The seance obviously invites unwanted spiritual attention, but it's that own lack of material happiness that provides the opening for the demon. While it's admirable for the exorcist believer to attempt a similar parallel exploration of modernity and the spiritual dimension as the original film, the results are far from inspiring. In ways, this seems to be exactly the film that many accused Green's Halloween requel of being. A shallow imitation of past success, with a worthless bit part for the original film's lead, uninspiring scares, including a particularly lame one at a Baptist church, and an overemphasis on trauma being the real boogeyman torturing our characters. I was thoroughly unimpressed with the film's scares and its storytelling, which ends up depicting a laughably syncretic understanding of the spiritual realm. When voodoo magic, Catholic rites, and the emotional vibes of parents are treated as equally effective responses to a demonic possession, and verbally affirmed by the main character of the original film, whose own experiences should make her know better. 
you know you're not on firm ground for an Exorcist film. The Exorcist believer crumbles under the weight of its own connections to the original and its own regurgitation of the modern dictates of the elevated horror film. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Good day. Hey, be home by dinner. I love you. Good morning, Mr. Fielding. Good morning, Catherine. And here are your daughters, Angela and Catherine. It's about seven hours ago, and that's the last information we have. Catherine! Angela! If you can hear this, we love you. Please come home. Hey. Hey, you found her? What are you and Catherine doing out there in those woods? They were just walking and walking. That's what I remember. Angela, can you tell your dad how long you were gone? A few hours. Baby, you've been gone three days. Now, I was disappointed with The Exorcist Believer, but what did you guys think? Was it scary? Was it interesting? You've both seen more of The Exorcist films than me, so was it a satisfying new entry in the series? Anders, last year, you ranked The Exorcist series on our website. Now, where would you put The Exorcist Believer in that ranking? Um, unfortunately, Exorcist Believer ranks in the bottom half, at least, of my ranking, for sure. Uh, I was pretty, I guess, disappointed with it in that I didn't find it very scary. And a lot of the elements, uh, some of which you identify in your, your opening, um, I think are the results of a very like undercooked script. They had some ideas that might have worked if they wanted to, but they were also kind of a little afraid to dip too far away from some of the ideas of the original. So they end up in this like weird middle ground. And that's kind of where the film is. It's like, it's not particularly scary. It's, you know, arguably a better made film than, say, uh, Exorcist the Beginning, the Rennie Harlan film. Um, and it's probably a little more interesting and coherent than Heretic. But, I, you know, and, I, and I'm not one of those people who buys into the, the idea that John Borman's Exorcist to Heretic is uh, so wild that it, like, you know, deserves a reevaluation. I'm not in that camp, but I, I do agree at least with trying it, 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 it owns the fact that it's doing something very different than the original. So yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not very good. Anton, what do you think? I would have to agree. I was quite disappointed with it. Last October, I was quite thrilled watching David Gordon Green's trilogy of Halloween movies, yeah, particularly with the first one, but I was excited by how he sort of um, brought new energy to that to that franchise and i just think it really worked overall uh all three of them actually um especially the first one and then so i was quite looking forward to this um i had revisited the exorcist and watched a couple of the sequels i'd never seen before um but i find the movie's lack of commitment to the like the specificity that makes the original such a great film i just found the the film like too too mushy all around and yeah it just like, so it, it, yeah, it, it's sort of, uh, I think you're ill-defined, you know, scripted. It, it's trying a few different things, um, but it's not committing to sort of doing something different enough, say like, um, you know, the third Halloween that David Gordon Green was doing. But at the same time, um, I think it fails to understand what makes the, the original a great film. Exactly. I think Aaron, you allude, allude to it in your, your piece that like, I understand that in today's age, they were, and also given the the religious background of um, McBride and, and Green, 
and the other filmmakers, um, I can understand why they wouldn't really necessarily want to stick with just the Catholic, purely Catholic angle on it. But there's something about Peter, uh, William Peter Blatty's like specific obsessions with like Catholic ritual and stuff like that. Like he himself was actually a believer. So he really like cared about it in a lot of ways that, yeah. you know, and Friedkin respects his material, even if he's not a believer to, to engage in that like kind of confidence, but they also didn't have the confidence to say like, you know, you know, here's an idea that would have been interesting. My idea is like that I would have actually found uh, less uh, in violation. Of the spirit of the original would be like, okay, uh, so Victor and his wife, they go to Haiti and they like reconnect with like the Haitian hoodoo uh, root work. And like, you know, it's sort of, it's, it has been used by like black Christian Caribbeans and stuff like that in, in syncretistic ways with, uh, you know, their faith. But, and you could, but I think like investing all in that and you could get some really interesting yeah. like rituals and things, but you'd have to do the research and maybe they felt uncomfortable with the black culture or something like that. Or, or even just going like a full Baptist, like Southern, how, how would, if, how would, a committed Southern Baptist person approach the idea of exorcism through their yes. window. That yes. would be actually really, really interesting, you know, but it's this, uh, so, but they, but they never go beyond like any, any sort of form of Christianity. All the people who come together are sort of like, you know, somewhat Christian, right. In their understanding. And, um, so it's like also at the same time kind of alienating to anyone who's like, there was, they didn't bring a, a, a rabbi or an imam <laughs> to fight the demon, you know? So it's like, it's, it ends up, as you say, in this weird mushy middle place. And then it also means they, they spend way too much time on like, like I, I see what you're saying, Aaron, talking about trauma and stuff like that and aping that kind of like elevated horror thing. But you, you end up with this, um, spending way too much time on the character stuff that the movie, by the time they actually get to anything scary, it's supposedly scary with the actual possessions of the girls are like halfway through the movie. Like, But I think like Aaron says that, you know, I, I think it's interesting, Aaron, that you're pointing out that you you're seeing um, a more conscious structural um, imitation going on. So, you know, like I think, right. Like when we rewatch the original exorcist, it has a very delayed, like mm-hmm. the movie takes a long time to get into um, conventionally scary stuff. There's a That's few that is bumps in the night early on. So in a, so I think Aaron's point that, you know, in some sense, uh, green's trying to uh, replicate that structure, but, but what he fails to, I think, capture is um, like what, you know, what's the title of the exorcist? Who's the exorcist? It, it's not, it's not uh, the demon, the possession. Yeah. Or the mother. The movie's highly invested in the idea of like the person whose job is to get rid of the demon. And, you know, the, the original movie is a, a movie very much about um, well, we get the life of Nina, uh, Father Aaron. So. Yeah, the, well, the life of being a Catholic priest, right? Yeah. Just as much as interested in this, uh, this newly, um, you know, newly divorced mom and, and ac- actress and her daughter. But that's and because so this movie doesn't structure where their journey. You're right, meet, though, right? But like, who's the exorcist in this one? Right? They like, should have been. Or they could have been rotating the exorcists. That would have been funny. The exorcists. <laughs> well, if this was a parody, but at times some of the some of the um, some of its efforts to tap into that sort of like um, the trauma theme that sort of a lot of elevated horror has. It it just um, it comes across as sort of like mushy and lame and almost uh, parodic. Like some of the lines, I was like, "Why? Like, why is someone sort of like saying this affirmation of like belief or like you know faith in like very vague terms?" Right? I was like, "This is weird." And like that, we're even sort of having this in the movie. 
Um, and I also don't think it's, I don't think it's exceptionally scary or anything. Like, you know, I don't think the movie was like just complete garbage, but I'm pretty disappointed with it as, um, Green's, you know, effort to, to re-enter this franchise. Yeah. And it like, so you stick on something like the characters, like the acting and the way that trauma is played out in it. I don't think this movie's like ham fisted, like certain no, no, not at all. horror movies in the way that it Leslie uses trauma is a good performance. Like I actually think most of the performances are pretty decent in this movie. There's nothing really wrong, even with the conception of the characters. The only issue Bur- I burns only Ellen uh, Burstyn, but she clearly doesn't want to be in the movie yeah. and is just yeah. taking like a doubly large paycheck. Yeah, her it's and Linda Blair at the is. end is are bad, but like it's just she's what like 95 i don't really like she can do yeah, what she yeah. wants <laughs> no I, I i don't blame her i i'm just yeah. saying like i don't i feel like they felt like they had to bring her in because uh you know jamie lee curtis did such a great job of uh revisiting that character her character in halloween so they sort of felt like, like she's they had to... dude like a lot of this is yeah. trying to duplicate what they exactly. were doing with halloween but, but i actually feel like jamie lee curtis is like more invested in like that character than Ellen Burstyn. Yes, she <laughs> yes. is. And there's a reason Ellen Burstyn didn't do sequels until now. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it now because it's a, it's a convenient like coda for a career, right? It really is because it's, it's the movie that put her on the map in many ways. Yeah, no, was, well, I heard she also got like, she got a lot of money and she just gave it to some sort of uh, like grant or something that she wanted to do. She was like, fine. Yeah. Like, you know, see, that's so cool good for her. Good for her. But <laughs> so, on a no, but on a character sense that like, I I'm not like I'm not super opposed to the trauma approach because specifically when it comes to demonic possession, any stories you hear of weird happenings in people's lives, you claim that there's something paranormal happening. It very often does feed mm-hmm. on the idea of like there's something dysfunctional here, and that's like the source. Okay, you have that's to the open opening. the door, right? Exactly. It's like a crack in the wall and it's going to come in yeah. through that crack. And, and then so, it magnifies you know, um, and feedback, right? Like emotional so then, desperation, loneliness, adolescence, which is always a thing that yeah. horror movies yep. are playing with. Famously, the original Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. It's the yep. idea of like that burgeoning adulthood, well, which is some terrifying. Some people have argued even in the original Exorcist, actually. Yeah, well, the age, the age for them, her, and, and, and these yeah. girls. You're yeah, right. you know, and they're, you know, maybe the most affecting, maybe the most effective scene in this movie is when they kind of repeat elements of the medical procedural from the original one, but they take it for a very, the, the concerns, very specific concerns of nowadays, which is when they do like a rape mm. test yeah. on the mm-hmm. girls and stuff. And like the discussion of, you know, we're going to, it's going to feel a little cold, but it's not going to hurt. And it's, it's like that yep. impersonal invasion of like, we're doing this to make sure that you weren't invaded. Nothing, you know, Invade, you yeah. weren't invaded, but actually, it itself is kind of this impersonal dehumanization thing. Yeah. Um, those scenes are pretty effective. And, but it's just like, and again, I, clearly imitating the, the man. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a clear structural parallel. It's, it's, it shows a, you know, an intentionality on the course of the directors, even if it's not the right choice. Right. But it's like, the, it's clearly thought out. But the thing that started hitting me about halfway through the movie, when it started turning into the exorcism story more and I was like, wow, there's a lot of time spent with these characters who I have zero sense of as people outside yeah. of the situation that they're lost a mom and lost a wife. Yeah. Like, and I, th- they started no doing sense that. Even a photographer and stuff like that it doesn't really. They started doing that irrational, like, you know, like, so why is, um, why is Tony, you know, the dad, uh, 
the dad of Catherine. Why, why is he just like so angry all the time? Like they don't, there's not enough background to the character mm-hmm. for us to understand why he's like always pissy. The only thought reason I thought he was pissy is because, uh, Norbert Leo, uh, Butts is like, you know, he always plays this kind of character, but in, in movies, he's in uh, Bloodline and he was recently in uh, Justified and City Primeval. But so it's like, I'm expecting his character to pl- be like this, but you're like, there's no real explanation for why, why he's acting like this. Um, seem, seemingly, the, why, you know, all of a sudden the, the dad of Angela, right? Yeah. All of a sudden Victor is like, what, like beating up homeless people to like find his daughter. And I was just like, this seems like a jump in like... <laughs> in his like uh, character development. Like I just, I don't, I didn't see those like, <laughs> that is the kind of the, crazy thing. Those like oh, development even guy, points. Even if the guy is extremely provocative. Then, no, that, I'm like, no, but that's the other thing. Why is he even just, there? I, I was like, like, but why, why the is he there questioning old, why is he there questioning homeless people? But then also I'm like, it's a really weird response where it's like, if, cause they were in the woods there. No, I know. But if the homeless person, like in an older movie, if a character had been like, ha maybe somebody raped her, ha ha like that guy would be booked immediately and thrown in jail. And there'd be like a whole sequence of being like, what do you know? Why are you talking this? Yeah. But in this movie, it's just left hanging as like these gross freaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually in a weird sense, actually meaner to the homeless people too. Like, <laughs> No, but it's just, it's just a very strange moment where it was, I think it was um, Green and Company's like, southern gothic coming out and just they love that the kind of edge of society stuff or it doesn't really fit a story of suburban people you know i who don't really um fit the bill for like you know they're not poverty stricken they're not like these kind of people on the edges of society like you get with Corey or you get with his characters yeah but so so are we okay finish finish your thought no but then i was saying the other character thing which i think also proves the lack of follow through and the fact that this movie is unbelievably literal in its character building is the and dad character. So the scene that is somehow clarifies that there's an actual demon at play is like, Oh my goodness, I had an abortion. This demon (laughs) knows that I had an abortion. I was going to be a nun. And it's like, none of this info is present with us until she literally goes to Victor. and like, I'm going to explain to you why this is important. Yeah. And then I'm just like, it's not hinted at, anywhere earlier with no the, no the, in fact she seems kind of mean neighbor. at first like they do the yeah. joke about her complaining about them not bringing the garbage in and stuff like the and dad character is very kind of funny to me in a lot of ways and she gets to always be like, like well it's you just know, like, you know it's playing with her in hereditary right she yeah. plays literally one of the witches in it <laughs> um but like it's just another example of it has the elements of a character build right but the order of the sequence is wrong like we don't know yeah. the character we know the character is described to us after the emotional, like m- motivational event occurs to them. And then after the fact, we're told why we should care about it. And it's so like, this, no, your, extru- your construction is just but, off. But that's how so many movies do it now. Yes. That's actually the logic of movies now. Like you, I'll tell you why you should care about this thing. And sometimes it's ham- like this sort of ham-fisted storytelling like you're talking about or, or jumbled. Sometimes it's simply we won't even provide that. You should care about it because it's uh, your favorite superhero or based on a comic you've read, yeah. or your favorite toy. From when or you were it's child, a woman, right? or it's a non-white yeah. person, or and it's, it's identity, kind of political shorthand, politic type thing. Yeah. It, so, it's but that's like, storytelling. It is. If this is. was like a seven, right? If this was, if this was a seventies movie, like the original Exorcist, mm-hmm. right? Like fifty years ago, we would have gotten a scene early on where maybe after um, she, the neighbor, right, 
and mm-hmm. shouts at them about the garbage cans. Then we follow her into her house and we go de- see her do something. And it's kind of quiet and you kind of don't know why the character does this. And then mm-hmm. later on, it would make sense. Like she goes and she looks at like, I don't know, some like wristband from a hospital or her nuns. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 or she or, just yeah, prays or, the rosary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we just be like, why this, like, why is this? Exactly. Uh, that's no, that? exactly. That's but exactly. Like, you know, the, we don't even the, know the, she's the first, Catholic until the movie no, needs exactly. us to know it. And she just tells you. So but, in fact, literally the original exorcist does this with like the father Karras scenes. Yes. Like Jason yes, Miller's yes. character and the developing of him as like a human who has his own life separate from the possession of Reagan. Right. His mom. Whole, and stuff. That's the whole, yeah, yeah which, I know, but that's what, what I mean. Is like, but in movies her. like this, what you're pointing out is that nobody has any existence or like life of their own that doesn't tie them to this event of the movie. And that's something like when we talk about rich storytelling, there's a reason like classically like actors are like, I'm making up a story about my character and things that other you know, yeah. but they don't do that. Like, but there was a way as you're gesturing to Anton of doing that. There's a way to do that in a script. Uh, it like doesn't require as it doesn't much require time expo- exposition it doesn't take that much time but and even a lot of like really middle brow like or mid-level movies from the 90s did this quite often yeah. in like really like broad family or like popular fair you know but then again, again they were concerned with telling stories in a way that a lot of these movies aren't you know that i love you right and you know you can tell me anything what were you and Catherine doing out there in those woods I wanted to talk to Mama. Sometimes I hear her voice. You light a candle. Clear your mind. And you start speaking what the spirit says to you. What does the spirit say to you? Leave me alone now. So I think you're right that like um, there's some deficiencies in the storytelling and in the character construction. And I also think um, when we're talking about the fact that, oh, we didn't know Anne was Catholic, right? There's some, there's a vagueness. And again, I I, I don't know the reasoning. I don't know if it's because the movie is trying to be kind of just so mushy about, um, about faith and not be specific, but something that's so brilliant about the, the original film is its specificity yes, that, it, that exactly. it goes full force into this idea that if we're going to have like a priest perform this right, and this is the way to solve the problem, we're like, we're going to, we're going to embrace this world and really explore it. And that's why I'm intrigued by the whole idea that like, if your angle was to sort of go in a completely different direction, yep. do certain, right, a Haitian voodoo type thing, then yep. let's do that. And let's focus on that world and explore, yes, or let's exactly. do like, Pentecostal in the South, or let's do, you know, evangelical in the South, but like, let's embrace something. Instead, we get kind of just the mush and you're it, in it at the same time. Then it also shows um, what I was also disappointed with was that one of my favorite things about the original film, one of my favorite things about what I think are two of the best elevated horror movies, uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, is that they're, they're precise and invested in their material. And this movie seems invested in being a uh, legacy sequel to The Exorcist, but it doesn't seem like it's invested in demonic possession and how you would um, exercise someone through religious rites. And that is something that the original Exorcist is very interested in. 
And you're like, is this movie actually interested in the specificity of how this would work? Like, because at the end, we're getting, really weird, we're getting this weird kaleidoscope right, of like people in, coming in, doing their stuff, trying their things. And it's like, it's a it, it reminds me of in Marvel. Yeah, totally cheap. Yeah. It reminds me of Marvel when you have like a baddie, the big baddie in the middle, and then yeah. like every superhero yeah. has to jump in and kind of just do their punch or whatever their thing is. And like, because you know, like the I was, you know, I'm somewhat intrigued by this, um, uh, you know, hoodoo or voodoo, uh, right? The priestess, and you're like, but like I don't really understand what you're doing, and that we don't get a lot of scenes where she really like says. Like this is this, and like this is how this works. Like they spend a couple moments. No, we, her I would a like circle. to know more about that. I would like to know. Well, like, when you have a movie called The Exorcist, kind of, like root work with that's part of what we Christian need. The ritual. The ritual is important. Yeah. You have to be yeah. specific about the ritual. Exactly. Like the drawing of the circle on the ground yeah. to contain the spirit and stuff. But like, like spend kind of more time on that. Invest in that. And so, like, it's just a movie that you're like, I'm not convinced that this movie, you know. um, this movie really likes the original exorcist, but I'm not convinced that this movie and the people behind it are terribly fascinated by the idea of possession. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Aaron, I want to get your, so you, you gestured uh, and said towards saying that, um, yeah, the, the end is a little bit of a cheat, right? And I'm like, well, it's not even really clear who, who does. Oh what. yeah. But I, th- so I want to follow up on that. Cause yeah, yeah. I have a couple of things to say about how I think it is a bit of a cheat, but I was curious what your take on that was. Well, okay. One is that they've already announced their sequels, right? So essentially what the, it has know, to be just, a trilogy, right? Yeah. There has to be a trilogy. Cause they um, bought so the rights for so much or something. $400 million. Oh my goodness. For the rights to the exorcist. It's I'm like, sorry, that's a overpay. Yeah, that's uh, wild. We like oh, The Exorcist, wow. but it's not J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth. Like, it's not. <laughs> this is why Blumhouse is po- making so many movies now. Every trailer I mean, Blumhouse before makes a, a lot of movie. money. <laughs> yeah, Night Swim. I was going to say Night Swim. I love that idea, but that's yeah, yeah. what it's about. No, so the rights don't work in the movie. And it makes sense they don't work because honestly... I don't think you can do the Roman right when somebody else is like saying other stuff in the midst of it. Like it's not going to work. <laughs> so is the movie, is this like, I guess my question is just that like when I, okay, finish your thought, but I'm just like, does the movie understand? No, but then work? the movie, the, the demon plays the game of you have to pick one, right? Choose one. And then the dad, I choose my daughter. And the, the cruel irony is like, you're choosing which one goes to hell. Like, that's the joke, right? Uh, um, your voice sounds more like the scream voice, but I like that. Yeah. No, I know. I'm <laughs> yeah, doing you that. sounded like, yeah, you sounded like ghost face. Ghost face. I was trying yeah, to not. Those go to hell. <laughs> you want, yeah. <laughs> oh, now, I, now I just want to see. going to hell, Sidney Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's Pazuzu. Is it even Pazuzu? No, no, it's, it's not. Uh, it's a different. In the credits. Yeah. It's a uh, Lamash Lamashtu Lamashtu. Yeah, some like so it's Greek another Mesopotamian. One, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Aaron, Aaron. So you're. I want to hear more. So they fail, and it's only the trick of the. Yeah. It it is right. It absolutely. Yeah, that's what is I was going to say. The demon. Like, no, it, um, it wins. It wins. If Tony wasn't if Tony wasn't dumb, they, they, it, uh, it might have worked too. Yeah. So it's actually cheap and to like undo it. Like it's just like okay, a um, not a great movie, but re- like a decent movie. And it's just interesting watching this like two months after watching Talk to Me, which is another possession movie, but it does a completely different 
tactic. That's the one you're saying is not great, but decent. Yeah, but is is like super plugged into how somebody in 2023 would deal with the possession in the in the in the movie. It's a party game. Like it's like hold on to this hand, say the words. You're gonna get possessed for thirty seconds, and it's gonna be like the wildest thing you've ever experienced. And it's like, of course, it goes too far because this is how those things work. And you know, a couple elements in this movie understand the way that um, spiritual powers seep into the lives, specifically of young women nowadays. The um, she has the uh, pendulum. That's how mm-hmm. they do the seance. Yeah, the reason the reason they're going into the woods is believable. That works. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And no, but the pendulum thing is like a classic TikTok trend for like because oh, it's yeah. it's all basically like witchcraft, astrology, and just like general good vibes have become kind of a, a thing with young women, specifically like Gen Z women, right? It's about like empowerment and so forth but they these people would be like yeah go get a pendulum go get a thing and like go get a ouija board and you're gonna just start doing this and it's like don't ever ask a question if you don't know what's answering like don't do that even if you're like a complete skeptic and you think it's stupid why would you risk it like and this movie kind of understands that like that is the the kind of naivety leads you down that path so this movie in a sense has a clear explanation of how the demon Mm-hmm. effects like in and, it's and one fits of the into stri- our modern world yeah, too. Actually. it's one of the striking yeah. things about the original exorcist is the fact that it's like essentially random that reagan gets pazuzu like it it does it really has nothing to do with her she's just the victim and it's an unfortunate aspect of it but then this it's it's like well, there's wait, one yeah, of those, i like, guess is it the ouija board yeah is the vehicle? no it is it is but, but, but you're right but, but there's not a lot of anyone explanation before like, that anyone yeah. could have been but it's the ouija, the uh, ouija board is a game it's not a means of trying to fulfill some like desire true. right like true she's not and asking that's not, something that's in. not even the full reason really yeah right exactly but all i'm saying is that so the most interesting aspect about this movie in some respects is the way that the the syncretic religious approach of the actual exorcism in the movie actually aligns with the same kind of approach that is the girls asking it into the life in the first place where it's like, if you believe it and it's important to you, then it is real, but there's a down and it's plain with that of being like, well, there's a downside to that because the thing that you, the vibes coming back at you might not be the ones you want. It might shake your bed. Yeah. <laughs> so here, Here's the thing then, like is the film, so is the film then um, contradictory or is that like, is this actually like part of the, the message of the movie that you couldn't actually perform an exorcism syncretically? And this just popped into my head, but you're just, and I guess the question would be like, let's say he makes another one. So I don't know. Is, is he, is he signed on to do the, the trilogy? I don't know. But if he makes the next one and the next one, they're like, the characters are like, we, we didn't work it last time because we were all like trying different ones. We just, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I don't feel like it's an, it's actually like conscious, mm-hmm. but I you're like, maybe, a- but now I'm intrigued by the whole idea of like, that it could this, be. this being a movie about being, this was a botched exorcism because you tried a whole just bunch of stuff. Uh, and now that you're going to have to go back to like the Roman writers. So that is not the conscious, not, not, none of the way that the film's emotional yeah, storytelling yeah. plays sure. out. Does it suggest that that is the actual intended effect? Yeah. yeah. Right. But that's how I'm reading. Well, we're the supposed movie to take, now. but <laughs> if you take that, you can go read against the grain. That's fine. 
But I don't even think it's re- I don't even think that's really reading against the game. I think it's there in the sense that the movie takes enough of the structural elements of the original oh, seriously, yeah, I know. so that it's it's actually if it just followed that logically, that's. No, I was what just saying what you were saying, making. Aaron, that yeah. like it's 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 actually a completely to read against the grain is not like to insert your own thing it's simply to provide an oppositional reading right yeah whereas your so your suggestion is that it all the elements are there to make that reading it's just that the the tone of some of the other things suggests a absolutely thrust and you have it would to be a way more interesting it. movie if that was the case hey where'd this come from i found it where closet You been playing with it? Yep. You know how? I'll show you. Wait a minute. You need to. I don't. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah? Well, let's both play. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. So the the original movie also, um, like it performs the rights and they they are like, I'm unclear entirely. Like, you know, I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. I I still am unclear on whether the exorcism is like wholly ineffective or just like, it's just not fully effective. Because there's like the way it works, right? Like then he comes in. And then, um, so in some sense, this movie's mirroring like aspects of that, right? So, um, the the exorcist who comes in here, right? Like the young um, the young priest gets his head yeah. like, broken. So then, <laughs> like it's not working, and then they have to regroup, and then someone, and uh, like the choice kind of becomes the um, the Karis like sort of like when he's like essentially fighting the demon and just like come into me, and then like yeah. yeah. And then jumps and out, the jump out the window. Because that movie also has like, you know, it it is like a it is like sort of an unusual approach to how they it resolves mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And yeah. So do, is 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 Green trying to just like do his own version of that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I think that, that the original had an interesting, like, despite its sort of subversive element in terms of like suggesting that the exorcism doesn't really work right like Marin has a heart attack and then yeah Karis has to like ask it in but he's leaping out the window and like go into reminds me of the story of christ throwing the demons into the pigs yes and legion right but and then it becomes, and Gladys called his sequel yes right legion as well no but because like, then it becomes it actually it's like it's it's actually almost like a um you're faked out you think you yeah. think you think that it's like they've lost the good guys have lost. And then when he like invites it in, you're like, that's a bad choice. But then when you actually like from that, like if you take the parallel to the, Mm -hmm. to the biblical story, then you're like, Oh, it's actually mirroring that. Right. But it is, it is the, the dark side of it. And then nihilistic thing is that Karis has put himself in the level of like the pigs, right? Yeah. He's essentially, but But it may be that a a self-sacrifice. It's a, it's it's a weird, like almost like, almost weirdly, like, I don't want to say blasphemous, but like to say like that, that, so the pig and the priest are the Christ kind of figure in that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's a sacrifice, right? But that's what I love about that original movie is that. But then you have the big exorcist comes in and he dies of a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's big. It's really invested in it and uh, and, and deeply cares about Catholic uh, and biblical knowledge. But at the same time, it is willing to play like 
nasty. <laughs> but it's yeah. all so two just two thoughts on that. One is that Marin calling it into him. Sorry, uh, Karis. Oh, sorry, Karis. Yeah, sorry. No, the one the Mar- Marin dying of the heart attack is that is why the rite's not completed. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. dies. And he's too old and frail he's to actually old, do it. So the only guy they could get but like that's also then like important. But he has the only in terms it, of Catholicism, where you're like the only guy we could dig up was this guy who like. Has but it no- also fits into the critique of modernity that the, that knowledge has not been passed on. Yes, and the institutional, both the church and the hospital, mirrored, which try to get a little bit. So then this it requires a much, this movie is much more. To- but Marin, Marin is the perfect like Marin's the perfect person to deal with it because he knows what he's fighting, right? Like that's the yes. whole prologue. Yes. <laughs> before, but. Uh, believer to take it back to believer for a second and then maybe we can move our conversation beyond here but uh to the other films but the um the thing about believer is that it, it uh, ironically has a much like uh less skeptical look at at the medical or like psychiatric system than the original movie does the original movie is very like critical in a weird way it's not suggesting that it's like wrong but it suggests like there's a kind of hubris like and yeah. the, the kind of failure for the systems that are supposed to support us in modernity to, to do so for Chris. Right. And that's Chris's crisis. Like, and so she, that's the only reason she seeks out the church is because like medicine and stuff can't, but like actually in this movie, like while the medicine, they're like, they're like, well, we can put her in a psychiatric care. She'll be safe. She'll be, it's like, they actually like, yeah, just the movie, the movie doesn't push back against it at all. Whereas the, the, yeah, the original is basically saying, I have an illich would hate that it's an inversion. It's, it's saying that, the the modern psychiatric approach is the witch doctor approach and you actually have to go back to the exorcist right which is actually you know which a lot of people would be like oh it's just a witch doctor thing is like the thing that's actually needed like you know i mean it's it's i think it's purposely trying to say like emphasize how the one is is um unable to deal with the situation in a way that this film uh, the new one does not go out of its way to emphasize. Like Aaron no, no, points out some moments where even the way they shoot it, it is trying to emphasize the sort of um, the overwhelming aspect of the medical um, investigations and, and procedures and stuff. But it's not cynical or or um, skeptical of them in the same way. Right. Like there's this there's a skepticism of modernity in The Exorcist. Right. This movie doesn't. Have. From both Blatty and Friedkin. Yes, yeah. yes, in different, different ways. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's the thing I was going to say is that I think ultimately what makes David Gordon Green is well-suited to Halloween because Halloween is one of those movies where there's a kind of... The camera is sympathetic to Michael and to the victims, basically at all times in the Halloween series, like in the best ones. But that's, they're in the John Carpenter because the camera is aligning itself with Michael, so it inherently sees him as something more than just the killer yeah. right he's either he's you, death or he's the victim the point of view scene right but then it's also that like it's it's absolute like alignment with laurie too right like it's like the whole final girl thing the movie is very invested in the emotional experiences of the characters on screen the exorcist is not the exorcist is actually the it's the friedkin thing which is the extreme ambiguity of his depiction, which makes him well suited to material like that, but also makes him yeah. really good at procedurals, which, you mm-hmm. know, the first time I watched the exorcist, I hadn't seen sorcerer. I'd, I'd seen the French connection, but I hadn't seen sorcerer. I hadn't seen to live and die. LA. I've watched those in recent years. Yeah. And Same. then I went back and watched the exorcist again. And I'm like, Oh, and also cruising. Right. I didn't see that one. 
And I'm like, Freakin just has a way that his camera is like fascinated with what he's depicting. Yeah. But well, he makes, no, watched, he makes uh, no statements about it. Like the yeah, camera is not to live and die in L.A. Yeah, right? the, that movie is the, the forgery scene at the beginning yeah. when Willem Dafoe it spends like five almost felt like five minutes. He's just showing the process of like forging a bill in the 1980s. Yeah. And like and you kind of like his Dafoe's character. It doesn't it's not judging. It's Exa- just no, exactly. That's the key thing. That's the thing. And so cruising's a very important one in in understanding the ambiguity of freaking because it's like it doesn't judge the like leather daddy sex clubs but it also is watching with a very dispassionate eye about the idea that the appetites of the flesh could lead you to go one more one more to the point where you're killing somebody to get your your kicks and it's like it's kind of it's weirdly fascinated with it but it holds itself back to be like i'm not going to align myself with anything i'm actually not going to have any kind of um, moral take on what I'm depicting here. I'm literally just showing it with detail and with like a specificity and the power yeah. of it is going to come out of the specificity of what I'm, I'm conveying. So green yeah. doesn't do that. Green doesn't mm-hmm. watch anything in this movie with a detached eye or a skeptical eye or an ambiguous eye, because I would say it comes closest with moments with the, like the witchcraft aspects. But even that is too much steeped in emotionalism that is born up with the idea of um, on-screen representation, but also like, well, this is the character's defining moment in their life is losing their wife in Haiti. So everything with that moment, everything has to be be emotional. Everyone is now a, a, every character is now a superhero with an origin story, right? Yep. The the one, and it's the the one one thing that that determines everything. Yeah. uh, yeah. But then they watch this over. But yeah, but no, Aaron, but just, like I really, just, I really, yeah, it, it just doesn't have ambiguity, and no. it's weird because by not being ambiguous about the possible about this exorcism, about the demonic position at the center, it actually doesn't become credible about it. Like yeah. it's it's it becomes a movie trick yes. as opposed to like this is a real thing you have to deal with the same way you have to deal with like the brain scans or like the scars on a girl's arm. Like <laughs> that's a good a point for thing. how the original sells it. Um, it's interesting because if you take, I was quite convinced by, I can't remember which of the Halloween trilogy has, um, kind of the monologue about fear in my, in like Michael and, um, you know, like there's a moment where, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is like talking about like, is it in the second one? How like, uh, it's sort of like the nature of evil and fear and stuff. Um, I can't remember in which one, but like it, it, it seemed like I, I, I did, I wasn't bothered by that like moment and it like just sort of worked in a way that like a lot of the sort of the lines that we get near the end of this movie and we get another explanation of what evil is and it's, it, it's really unconvincing mm-hmm. and it doesn't even necessarily fit with the rest of the film. And it's like almost like I'm like if that's your takeaway for like what the meaning of the Exorcist series is, then like I'm not sure like you're getting it. Michael Myers was the personification of evil. It's theirs. It's their wedding ring. It's up to each of us whether or not we lock the door and find our resolve or let him inside. 
evil and silent. Like if you think that it's like, it was something about like, you know, uh, we're all born with like hope and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We, we lose Chris it. Chris says it, right? And so, yeah. And we see what it's Chris we speaking to the, uh, with the butter book. Is that right? And it's just, it's, it's just unconvincing. And so I'm like, yeah, at the end, I was just, I, I there's just too much. When we get a whole bunch of these kind of lines at the end and you're like, the, the whole then subtitled in this, like the exorcist believer, but you're sort of like, well, believer in what? in what? This reminds me back to uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. Yes. Like, you just got to believe. Believe. It doesn't really well, matter like, in what. Or, or like, and you're well, like, what? It does, obviously, because yeah. some people believe in Nazism in Indiana Jones. So. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. The line I I was thinking about during this movie is uh, from Dust Till Dawn. The uh, oh, yeah, if those things a- are from hell, then there's got to be a heaven. <laughs> like that, like <laughs> we're Keitel. Is it? No, that's George. Yeah, Clooney. well, no, it's Clooney convincing oh, Keitel. Oh, yes, oh, yeah, yeah, take up right. the cloth again. Like, yeah. it's like I've always said that God can kiss my ass, but I just changed my lifetime tune about thirty minutes ago because I know that whatever is out there trying to get in is pure evil straight from hell. And if there is a hell, and those sons of bitches are from it, then there has got to be a heaven, Jacob. There's gotta be. It, and it's just the idea that the that's the classic horror movie thing, right? Evil is the proof yeah. of the fact that there is good then. Yes. So you have to fight for it. Um, which is why horror, however viscerally disgusting and so forth movies can be, are the most... Um, moralistic and possibly probably the most like religious movies that are made. Um, this movie doesn't have that. So it's a movie with a, um, a, you know, a disappointing lack of belief. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Well, it's a faith. It's a, it's a, it's a belief that's based on emotion. Exactly. Exactly. And it comes down. The, so the movie ultimately we're saying is uh, undone by our own era. <laughs> no, it yeah. is. It, so it's Maybe actually a very fitting movie. It's, it's a very the original Exorcist, Exorcist movie for twenty twenty three, but the original Exorcist is a critique of its time. In this, right? Exactly. This is just shaped by its time. And I would like to see somebody maybe make a movie. I don't, maybe you think there is a movie that does uh, do something like that for our time and, and the role of like evil and religion and stuff. I don't. I I don't admire him as much as you, Anton. But I would be very interested in Ari Aster, the Exorcist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he I could do it, it, I think. <laughs> I think because Hereditary proved that he believes evil is a real thing to be reckoned with <laughs> in like a visceral, emotional sense that is not just something you can like kind of brush off. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Before we end this conversation on The Exorcist Believer, I do want to just go back to the legacy sequel aspect of it and yes, yes, maybe draw are. a couple more lines with yeah. Halloween and how how much 2018 Halloween is a very good you can cut movie. This if you, you can cut this if you want for a second, but uh, an Ariancer exorcist would be really interesting too if he like also was willing to do like a Jewish take on. No, exactly. That could be really cool. Be so and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because Ari Aster, though, the, both those movies, and again, I'm actually, I'm going to have to seek out uh, Bo is Afraid. Bo is Afraid, because I, I read a couple reviews, and I was intrigued. But um, they're also hypercritical, like, it's not like like they're hypercritical of, like, our time. Yeah, modernity. At the same time that they're, like, intrigued and in exploring these weird, like, subculture. Or, Midsummer or is like essentially a satire of, like, modern relationships. <laughs> now, or the other possibility... Uh, 
in terms of doing a, a legacy uh, exorcist would be someone like Robert Eggers who could do a really interesting yeah. exorcist movie, but he would make his, I want a historical, historical, yeah. A historical oh, man. exorcism Imagine. in a medieval village or something. Okay. Can we have a 12th century exorcist movie set? Yeah. In a French village with Jeremy Irons as the exorcist who's coming in. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. He'll be the, yeah. He needs to be the mayor. Cause you need someone with like the gravitas to come in. Yeah. I'll make it. Give me the money. Give me the money, Blum. <laughs> Jason Blum. You got, you got 400. You got to get back. Yeah, give me 10 million. I can do it. It's like Sanj. Give me give me the promo. I'll do it. <laughs> um, no, but just like, okay, Halloween compared to this, Jamie Lee Curtis is so good. In the new, I know a lot of people don't have really soured on Jamie Lee Curtis over the years. I didn't really like her. The fact that she won for everything everywhere, like whatever, it's kind of a legacy award. But exactly. like she's good in the 2018 Halloween and she's really yeah. committed. And the movie's really committed to the concept of Laurie Strode as a character. This movie is like Chris. It's like laughably bad. The elements with it her. Barely seems like the same character. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like the same character. No, I was thinking it's, it's more of that Ellen Burstyn's interstellar character coming in and like talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause she's sort of like older and just sort of sitting in a remote place that the here, like, she has to be found. I, f- I forget which um, critic wrote this, but I just saw this like blurb that I kept laughing where she's like the ultimate coastal grandma in all, all her white <laughs> billowing robes and just seems to be perpetually windswept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, she comes probably. in. Was she like for- the Georgia coast, did they say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the, the character is, despite the fact that she went through all that, is like, oh, I had got obsessed with every type of exorcism and all religions. And I realized that they're all real. And it's like, you just had a Catholic priest save your daughter from a demon. Like how dense are you? Like you, you're basically proving that none of you took none of that seriously. But then the idea of her kind of as a almost um, 1980s, like satanic panic, like author thing. I'm like, Oh, there was something there you could have like touched on. And you yeah, didn't. Absolutely. You didn't touch on any of it. You just used the kind of faux clips. And then the scene where she actually comes in and immediately gets her eyes stabbed with the cross, where it's a classic, <laughs> like, we're going to shock you with the violence of, like, cross-based violence, right? Like, classic exorcism. Also, it's like, but it's I'm like, like, is it, but also I was saying to uh, our friend after the movie that, um, I went with Jesse, who's been on a previous episode. But, uh, and Friend Jesse, of the program. Friend of the program, Jesse Hutchinson. But the, uh, the way that like I'm like oh it's if they bring her back now she can be this kind of like wise blind sage like a Tiresias or something in like Greek myth and, and I think I think Jesse's response was something along is like that's giving them too much credit <laughs> to know that much about like I'm uh, I'm I'm voting reference. for I think uh, Danny McBride had conceived of that scene <laughs> and then her then he comes or maybe Justice or maybe just his character in Righteous Gemstones is love this scene yeah. Yeah, it'd be like an ad lib moment. It's like, what if Chris McNeil came in here and got stabbed in the eyes? What do you do with that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the scene, for some reason, just the the handling of it and might prove the the tonal aspects of those scenes, but uh, or it might be indicative of the tonal aspects of those scenes. But <laughs> you know the scenes in the Mummy '99 when he's stealing <laughs> the guy's like body parts, and there's the one guy who's blind. It's like I have a friend here. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Benny's like bringing him to see, and it's like. <laughs> Who's this here? <laughs> like, that's what he was reminding me of. 
<laughs> but it's all, it's not quite as good as the guy who doesn't have the tongue. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, like, what a great movie. horror Kevin movie. Kevin J. O'Connor. Oh, man, it's so good. I watched it so at Christmas good. last year and I was like, this is just good 90s fun. Brendan also, Fraser I just lo- love and, that uh, Kevin J. O'Connor is only known for two things. Benny and the Mummies uh, movies and then uh, there will there- be blood. <laughs> okay. Benny is like... I'm your brother from another mother. He's such a good character. But like, what I'm saying is that in an Exorcist film, if the tonal thing you're making me think of is the Stephen Sommers mummy, <laughs> yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I know. No, it's just it. This movie would have been actually much better off if it had no, um, no connection yeah. to the old one, or and th- if the only element was the clip and a book, but not actually Chris in it. Say, and they he could should reference have just found her on YouTube, and she didn't come yep. in, right? Like you could have but, easily done yeah, yeah. that. Doesn't it make you appreciate? It makes me appreciate the Halloween trilogy that Gordon Green made, but it also makes me appreciate like the new Scream movies. On like how good yeah. you can incorporate an old cast into an actual, and experience. even do like some crazy stuff with them too. Yeah, it's just this movie. It obviously only exists because of the legacy, but yeah. as a legacy sequel, it's it's just really disappointing. It's not even a movie that you can like get too worked up over. It's just like no. wow, that's a not scary exorcism movie. It's, it, I think the other thing I'd say is a legacy sequel. What's what's worth pointing out is. is even though there's clear interest in imitating aspects of the original, I think Aaron, you've done a great job talking about different structural aspects. We've talked about different individual scenes that seem to parallel, but the overall feel and atmosphere is very different. A lot of that has to do with setting. So right away, I'm already, you know, I'm questioning just whether the setting itself is, is enough, but on the other hand, you know, um, not every exorcist movie takes place in Georgetown or, or something like that. But so I guess, but like, I just feel like the movie, it doesn't capture the same um, early on. It, I could tell they were trying to, there's, there's a few shots of like fall, like autumn and like we're getting leaves sort of blowing down a street and like things like this, where they're trying to tap into some of those early moments, but there's something like overall, just like brooding, and I don't know partly if it's just like kind of like all these like seventies movies have so much like just brooding in them, but the movie doesn't achieve it. Two girls going into the woods, even though I think that the pendulum in like that aspect is an interesting way to invite the possession. It seems like it's already starting to touch into a, like a different kind of horror movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other mm-hmm. horror movies where like, the kids go out into the woods and they meet something. And now there's a whole, there's a whole like latent mythology that I'm curious if they're going to explore in the trilogy of this, like, what was this house out there? Why, why is this linked with one of these demons? Like what's going on in that water that she gets. And you see the weird images, right? You get those little flashes of almost like an ancient world of like demon stuff. Like it's, it's, it's the most it's one of the movies most expressionistic and most actually like visually interesting in those tiny little flashes you get, which you actually yeah. also get in, in a couple of the moments when they're spinning around the girls when they're possessed during the exorcism scene. And you see like almost like a like an overlapping parallel world, right? Like of like demons, like looking at them. There's just yeah. like a bunch of weird shots. Yeah. You know, so it would be interesting to say, because I mean, bridge the conversation into talking about Anton, some of your experiences with the other exorcist films um, that I, I, last year for uh, our website, I uh, ranked all of them. 
Uh, and in one, in many ways, I think my ranking is fairly, fairly standard. But um, what did what did you think? You so you watched Exorcist three, and you watched uh, Schrader's uh, Dominion. Yeah. So like I've seen the original Exorcist a couple times before in my life, but I hadn't watched it in a number of years. I honestly was bracing myself because I've always considered the original Exorcist one of the scariest movies I'd seen. I watched it again. It still was very effective for me. It, it like you know, didn't keep me up all night, but like I still found it like this is a movie that like works really well for me. It's the kind of movie where I feel like if I watch it again one more time recently, I might go crazy and start saying it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I can see what you mean because it's like it's so so classically made and it fits right in with the yeah. great classic 70s movies the godfather you know anything like that I, I love the way it's made i love its themes i love the way it approaches everything and i love i i really miss that 70s ambiguity the like the ellipses that are allowed within a film where you just like don't know what why this scene connects to the next like why do we have 10 minutes in northern iraq of this guy like walking around archaeological sites, not really explained. I love that. No, stuff, no way that would be in a modern movie. Like freaking, no. freaking does that kind of stuff though. Like sorcerer, he spends like what twenty five minutes like setting up the early like stories of the characters. I have not seen sorcerer, so it's worth checking out. Even though um, Wages of Fear is brilliant, right? Yeah, Wages of Fear is better. I I don't agree. I think people are a little too enamored of perhaps like the Tangerine Dream score and just Roy Scheider just being awesome in it yeah. but i still think and it's the the bridge scene is incredible and sorcerer it's a very good movie um but i i still think wages of fear is like truly the most white one of the most white knuckle movies like you'll ever watch um to live and die in la also has the so kind good. of like the, I the prologue it like it's got decades. the prologue cruising's got yeah. a prologue like he's kind of obsessed with these hmm. things i haven't seen a ton of uh, the kind of 80s 90s um freaking movies and then I saw obviously a few of his ones in the in the 2010s, like I saw Killer Joe and stuff. But um, watching The Exorcist again last week, I was. And how many times had you seen it? Like before, just I once. I can't remember. Just once, gay. Okay. Yeah, so this is my second time, and I'm again more interested in the Father Karras plot. I think it's quite creepy at times. I. I think it's one of those movies where because it is so influential and it's it's literally shaped every single possession movie to follow. Like yes, every single you one. You can't you can't put possession on the screen without But like but it's also you something. can't put that genie back in the bottle in the sense that if you have seen any movie you've in gotten you've a little bit of it. seen a bit of the exorcist. Yeah. Um and it's it's you know it's kind of like what you people say about like John Carter Mards or something, right? It's like you've watched any sci-fi movie that's an adventure you've you have a little bit of john yep. carter in there and it so when you actually encounter john carter you might not be that impressed and it, i'm not saying that i'm not impressed the exorcist but it's just it's it's not a movie that like rattles me to my bones or anything and i think it's it's like super interestingly constructed i think it's partially that i find chris and reagan not particularly interesting and that's fine because the movie has an ambiguous approach to them it's just like it's it's there those two characters I'm not that invested in. I'm in, way more invested in Father Karras. and then the movie it's you know they always talk about they're like it's a really slow build it's like well it's a slow build because the movie's bifurcated you have like literally the science half and then the, the religion half but once you get to the the second half like she's flipping up she's spitting up pea soup on people she's swearing she's 
masturbating. Like she's she's going a whole hog on like demonic. There's no there's no build with it. It's just like it's immediate to that like shock factor level where I'm not saying that like the tonally doesn't work or anything. It's just the movies that have embedded their, themselves into my like psyche horror films of that era and stuff. It's the ones that like they worm their way in and it's not like actually as viscerally intense as The Exorcist, but I find it actually more like disturbing on like a long term sense. Something like The Shining, which is one of those movies where I think might be actually scarier the more you watch it, which is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Hello, Reagan. I'm a friend of your mother's. I'd like to help you. You want to loosen the straps, huh? I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Reagan. I'm not Reagan. I see. Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Carras. And I'm the devil. Now, kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar display of power, Carras. You know, I, I think I agree with you to the sense that like I really admire the extras, but I my admiration for it is not necessarily that I no longer think it's the scariest movie of all time. Because I actually, what I really don't also appreciate is it's uh, it's philosophical and, uh, you know, like theological like musings. I think it, it, it is such a great uh, critique of its era and, and modernity and, and all the, these sort of questions. Um, but I think you hit on something with talking about Reagan and Chris. And I'm like, you know, part of the, I think you might be right because of all, I've now seen all the Exorcist sequels, right? Um the ones that kind of follow them, and I don't think it's anything on the actors or anything, are the worst ones. Like, Heretic is bad. It's a bad is that movie. about Reagan? It's about Reagan when she's a bit older. Hmm. Even has some, and a, and a visibly drunk uh, Richard Burton. <laughs> Where's uh, the uh, third? And, uh, yep, and uh, what's what from what's the actress from uh, Wolf of the Cuckoo's Nest and DS9? Oh, she just, Louise Fletcher. She just passed Louise away. Louise Fletcher, right? isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and then it has some camp, uh, smaller roles for other people. But it, it's a, you know, it's most, it, they're the, uh, sorry, I was going to say Father Mayor appears sort of a little bit in it, in a really weird cameo. That, but um, the other ones that are, I think are interesting, number uh Karis shows up in Exorcist 3, right? A little bit, like yeah. it follows from his stuff, and then obviously Dominion gives us the uh, the prequel story about Marin. So I think that those ones are successful because yeah. they investigate more of the Exorcist side of things, right? Yeah, I guess. So, and then you so get before, Jersey Scott's playing the cough character, but before so before we go to the sequel ones, Anders, um, yeah, on the original one. So Aaron, like, do you find so like what are what I mean? I guess like where do you rank? So th- you so you've said this. You think The Shining has more impact for you still or gets under your skin more. Um, I do agree in that, you know, watching the exorcist again, um, it is the originator of kind of horror as like shock and just like an overwhelming bombardment of like the audience, even though it has that slow build up to that point. But like once yeah. it goes into it, it it's R rated horror. The, the point is to like, just, just demolish the audience. Right. Um, and it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There really hadn't been R-rated horror like that before. Yeah, where you can just yeah, show. unless it was in independent stuff, yeah. you know, like uh, Night of the Living Dead and stuff. Is there another older one that you're like you're you're thinking of, like an older horror movie that it works better? That, that, yeah, that sort of is more sort of lasting for you. I mean, 
in terms of just pure scares, there's like I find Nosferatu scary. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, there's there's some stuff that works on like dream logic. Something like Eyes Without a Face, I think, is like viscerally terrifying in in a way that still really affects me. But you know, my my favorite horror movie is Psycho. I like it for reasons beyond the horror. Um, the Shining, I just think the formal approach is he is Kubrick is using the stuff that he mastered with 2001 A Space Odyssey to use it on a horror level where he's like tapping into your subconscious approach of like how you just watch images and then he's how you walk es- through a building. He's mm-hmm. essentially he is aligning the vibration of the film with your brain so that it like permeates into your <laughs> into your psyche and it's just is very it, effective. The Exorcist. I, I agree. The, I think The Shining is the, the Shining ambiguity. Sort of, uh, busy, busy, um Byzanian or Byzanian, like Byzanian. What's how was the term? I don't know. Anders. Yeah, Byzanian. Byzanian. Um, yeah, no, but is it more no, Byzanian no, uh, because, for no? No, because it. Uh, but like the the, the of, takes and like trying to capture it has long takes and stuff, but, but to capture, it capture space. real space. No, because no, it's, it's fake. The, space. No, the whole thing is that the uh, the architecture of the, the building is like makes yeah. no sense. It can't it can't exist. Just so capturing. it has to, it's playing with editing and yeah and 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 reverse angles and stuff in okay. order to disorient you. But but maybe it's playing. It is like beginning from that that idea of film as like spatial orientation and then flipping it around and whereas the exorcist is more exorcist is more montage and what i mean by that is that it's it's interested in in in, um like it's interested in like using editing and things like that to create the effect like so it's it's the originator of like you know and and i didn't one thing i didn't like about the new one is that i felt like it relied too much on some of those like jump out scares and gotchas and like yeah in a way that the original yeah, the doesn't. part but, of the movie, remember, Anton, is the snake. Yeah, like I actually jumped the most out of my seat when like the snake down in like that yeah. pit, just because <laughs> like I'm I can easily get into a movie and be a sucker when like something pops out. Like, <laughs> but yeah, so the original one, what I I'm intrigued by like its interest in um, trying to depict like this stuff on screen. Like, there's something about like the way the movie tries to realize like an utterly unnatural, bizarre, like phenomena on, on, on like cinema is, is interesting. And then, but then also like some of the, like it's like subliminal stuff, which is played up more in the extended cut, but there's some strange stuff there that I find very interesting for its use of like the way it's just trying to capture that sort of stuff. I, I still find the movie like, uh, I just find it super compelling. I think those are the most effective in terms of scares. Like the, when he cuts in like two frames of the face of the demon into like shots of Reagan's face and things like that, where you, you glimpse only all, you know, consciously is like something is showing up on the screen and it just like throw, it just like unsettles you like so much. Um, I think with Friedkin is that his strength as a director, the ambiguity that he's so good at um, portraying on film is counterintuitively makes him a little less um it it provides like a clarity of filmmaking that is actually almost like too objective for horror Hmm. i can see that yeah it does become like like there's not not that but that is what makes the subject matter work well in exorcist it does there's there is no like like you're very clear on what you're experiencing but this was my experience last week watching it i was like I think this is a great 1970s drama 
and it's like a milestone horror film, but I would never say it's like, this is the horror film that I like hold up. Mm. So I think that it's interesting that you point out how the movie, like once it sort of gets into the possession, it's sort of like, it's just fully goes into that. And what I'm interested by is that the film builds up such a sense of dread of Reagan in her room and like characters walking up the stairs and like they're breathing out the vapor and like they know it's cold. And like you, as you watch the movie by that stage, once this, once the, um, once like Chris, we're no longer wondering what's going on. And we've just embraced the fact that she is possessed. It just, it builds a huge sense of like knowing dread in the sense of like, you know, if you go into that room that you're just going to see horrible stuff. And in that sense, the movie is like, it's actually building less on kind of like surprise and the unknown and more on like Hitchcockian like dread. suspense where you like, rather than suspense, I think it's dread, 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 but it's all about knowing, anticipation right? Anticipation of a known anticipation yeah. of a, of a known thing. Yeah. Whereas suspense relies on uh, the audience. You're right. We don't, uh, we don't see that the characters parallel. Know, right? We're not seeing parallel. Yeah. Right. What I mean is like that suspense requires the audience to know something the characters don't. Right. It requires yes. dramatic irony. Whereas dread aligns us with the characters. It's like, you know, when you go in there, what, exactly what it's not going to be dark. It's not going to be weird. You're not, you know, you're going to see a kid do this stuff. Yes. You're going to see these horrible things and you got to face it to fight it. I, I think that works really well in the movie. I, I still think it's great. I, I agree with you, Aaron. I, it's not like the one horror film that I would pick, but I, as you say, ironically, I think it's just a really, really great 70s drama that has a supernatural and, and horror element to it. Yeah, and I always thought Roger Ebert was really good writing on The Exorcist where he was just like, it's one of the best intimate portraits of like priest lives on like an American cinema. Like there's not actually many movies that take like priesthood that seriously and like delve into it. Mm -hmm. And then that actually becomes interesting how like, you know, you get the, like I was watching it with my wife and she's like, who's this one priest? He's just hanging out with all like the movie stars playing the piano. She's like, why is he like always around at the party? And then that guy becomes one of the, early like central characters in exorcist three um uh, what is the character's name um father ed dyer father dyer yeah dyer dyer yeah right so ed they, flanders ed, and ed flanders is very good also in um william peter bloody's uh, ninth configuration as well okay and uh, so, so i always want to plug that film because i think it's great so one of the great things about the third movie is is george mm -hmm. c scott and um and his chemistry early on in the film like yeah. they have they have a great I agree. banter so and so the third one Aaron, kinderman and dyer together to, yeah. To, yeah to to you know to spoil the early part is just that like the uh the cop who mentions that he's interested in going to like movies and pictures and stuff who keeps like pestering uh chris he's like the main character in the third one and he's like investigating and it's interesting because essentially like a serial killer meets the exorcist yeah. movie and it does i think a very successful job of like combining kind of police procedural with um so maybe maybe blatty was uh learning something from freaking too in terms of procedural aspects i do that rather well don't you think well why not after all I've been taught by the master. Who is that? The one. There is only one. 
because he wrote it was based on his novel that he wrote when the sequel that they were trying to make he was trying to make with Friedkin fell apart so they were going to work on a sequel right. that fell yep. through and then Borman came yep. in and made the one because they had and to made, make it yeah kind of yeah and then and then Blatty wrote the novel Legion which became a huge huge hit in the early 80s another like as a sequel book like it was one of those sequel you know novels in the 80s that everybody read kind of thing and then he decided to turn back into a screenplay for the movie and then direction himself since he had already directed a movie before. So, so two you've already mentioned, Anders, right? Like highly, mm-hmm. like some people seem to be trying to re, yeah. re-cultivate it. But Re-hitter. overall, I know, you, Mar- you I know Martin Scorsese like and Pauline Kael liked yeah. it, but you know, they have, they have eccentric tastes on that stuff. I, it, it's just, I think it's just so bad. The third one is, is good. It's not a great movie. It's definitely worth checking it's out. It's not like a slumming like horror sequel. You're like, oh, it's no. actually it's actually definitely worth checking out. And does some and interesting like stuff fleshing out yeah. some of the ideas of um of the earlier yeah. film. And there's still some pretty hor- horrible stuff like the uh there's that crucifixion scene of the kids. Yeah, no, no. Pretty. And the classic shears the jump scare in the hospital. It's also called yep. uh Brad Dourif. <laughs> Yes, right, who's great? Yes, um, but yeah, that, that's then, the only other one. What did I've you seen. think of? Yeah, and what you haven't seen Dominion. The, so the then there's people? the the two. Ex- I watched both of them. Yeah. Ex- Dominion by Schrader, and then, uh, and then Exorcist: The Beginning. <laughs> and you've watched them both. I've only seen. Dominion. I watched them both, which they're a really fascinating exercise. Obviously, I like the Schrader one better. Schrader, to me, portraying. You know, Marin is one of like the played by Stalin Skarsgård this time. Get another Swede. Um, the you know playing him as like this uh, sort of one of you know God's only men, the sort of Schrader character. Always the same. That character. he's like, yeah, and he's and what's interesting is like it's, it shows like the his encounter with the demon contrasts against his earlier encounter with uh, Nazis in mm-hmm. uh, the Netherlands in the in the second world war and like that he he doesn't need supernatural evil he's seen the face of evil in the nazis and that stuff too right and and the just the way the fact that the decision he made he couldn't save the people yeah kind of thing right and so this like what he's struggling with his own uh you know thing at the same time that he encounters pazuzu in uh, east africa so my view of my view of that movie is that aaron like so it's 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 worth checking out it's not one it's of not Schrader's really best, either. and I think I agree, Anders, with your points. Where I think you, um, you, you like to note that it's like you know it does feel like an unfinished work. It's just not polished. There's yeah. a few effects that look really, really, and probably a few scenes that could have been reshot or yeah. edited or something. But what what so what I what's it's disappointing as a sequel to The Exorcist if you're expecting more of the original Exorcist, and so in that sense. Um, it's a strange, you know, in some sense, a legacy sequel, like it was, you know, a very early kind, like, it's like, we're going back to this, yeah. this franchise, like that would have been not 50 years, but this is what, 2004. So, uh, yeah, 40, 30, the, 30, yeah, 30, 30 years ago. What's but, interesting, Anton also though, is like Aaron originally meant like it, you're right. It, it's not that, but it is, does have little elements of sort of like adventure movie to it yes well, like it's, it feels it's like east, it's all set it's yeah. an east african adventure it reminds me at times of uh rider haggard yeah yeah things like exactly. that because they and i was gonna say that church. this is maybe aaron your your uh, mummy exorcist movie <laughs> 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 be to me. it's a it's because a, it's an you would think movie. that then the like, rennie harlan like the, the the they remade the entire movie with cars again 
kept kind of a similar script, weirdly. But Exorcist the Beginning is an example of how like you can take some of the same basic ideas and make a movie that's so completely different. Some of the scenes are almost the same, even though like some of the scenes with like the, uh, the, the sort of uh, prologue of the film set in like World War II and stuff, and the way they, they they pace it and set it up. Because the second one or the the, the second remake of that or the rem- or uh, the alternate version of that for that that actually came out in theaters plays like such a you know, late two th- mid two thousands, like a horror movie, lots of teal and orange, lots of like bad CGI, but like lots of like swooping, like, you know, weird things. And, uh, and they definitely had like, we have to have somebody who have the exorcist face. And so, uh, what's that? I forget the actress who's in golden eye. Um, but she plays like the, a woman who then gets like possessed and stuff. And like, it's, yeah, it's, it's not good, but it's exactly what you would expect from an Exorcist movie made in like 2005 and like with that kind of mid-range budget. But to sort of tie it back to um, David Gordon Green, what I find interesting is that Schrader's movie is not, it, for me, it's not satisfying as, as sort of like, you know, as, as an Exorcist sequel, but I find the movie, I still like it overall. And I find it very interesting, especially in its interest in like the nature of evil. And how it tries to locate that on a whole bunch of different dimensions and then explore the connections between them. And for me, you're like, you know, um, David Gordon Green is trying to explore the nature of evil at times in this new one. But it's just like it's unconvincing. It feels for me squishy and just like uh, always simultaneously like you're bludgeoned with it at the end with like too many things. But it's you're bludgeoned with pillows, right? It's just squish. And then whereas like Schrader is trying to investigate like all sorts of layers of like the relation between historical uh, power dynamics between colonial power, like, you know, indigenous peoples. Like it's just he one of the problems with Dominion is that it, he's trying to do too much, too much in a, in a uh, relatively low budget. And then the studio budget, also wants him to make it an adventure. Yeah. Too much relatively low budget, you know, movie that's supposed to be a sequel or sorry, a prequel to The Exorcist. But it, it, it is compelling for um, its interest in, like, you know, essentially, if, you, if you're intrigued by the first 10 minutes of the original Exorcist of Father Marin walking around, like, North Africa, what's he doing there in an archaeological site? It has some Iraq. very interesting, sorry, yeah, yeah, Northern Iraq. It's some really interesting That's stuff the team, there. Yeah. yeah. Look here. Look how it was done. The workers who did this were not just, not just workers, they were artists. The mosaics came from across the world. Here, the great battle of the angels. The turquoise from Egypt, malachite from Namibia, lapis from Afghanistan. Extraordinary. This is St. Michael, it's his church, it's dedicated to him. But the violence. It's the war of heaven. God's angels fighting Satan and his legion. Cast into the underworld. It's the sort of fun that makes a career. <laughs> I thought that at first, but now it seems. There is he. Lucifer, source of light. He was called the most perfect of angels. It will make you Lancaster. But what will it make you? Thanks for listening. Um, Give us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Three Brothers Filmcast.
Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I bid you farewell. <laughs>